You are listening to the Rethinking Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Patterson, and I'm glad that you're here. I'm a former pastor turned brewer with a deep love of theology and philosophy. While I don't always wear the label comfortably, Christianity seems to be baked into who I am. I've found a home within the world of process relational thinking and have made close friends with the mystics. So whether you're a devout believer, a questioning skeptic, a bold atheist, or simply someone trying to figure out what it means to be human, you belong here. Thank you for joining me and taking the risk of entering into this sacred space. And thank you for reminding me that we aren't alone on this journey. Let us imagine a better way to be human together. Shall we begin? All right, friends, welcome back to another episode of the Rethinking Faith Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josh Patterson, and joining me today for their very first time is Lenny Duncan. Lenny, what's going on? Uh, Watching an atmospheric river wash out L.A. for most of the day, but that's about <laughs> it. Thanks for having me on, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is that where you uh, you find yourself currently is in L.A.? No, I'm actually in uh, San Diego. Oh, it's San nice. San Diego des- de- desert area. Yeah, but we got a little bit of that rain. And, you know, I'm an East Coast boy originally, but I've been out here too long. I was like, it was like 62. <laughs> it's 62 outside. And I got a hoodie on the side. Like yeah. A thick one. Like a thick hoodie. That, <laughs> that like back in the day, I, this is all I'd be wearing in like December, just running around Philly or like anywhere else, you know. But uh, out here, I'm like, wow, it's it's cool. So yeah, we we've been getting some rain. I think LAX got a half year's worth of rain in five days. Shit, man. Yeah, I um I lived in um Florida, South Florida, like West Palm Beach area, for a few years. And I'm originally my wife and I were from Baltimore. Um, that's where I live currently. It's where I'm coming from today. Um, but I remember the first time it dropped below sixty there. And everybody brought out like hoodies and beanies and like gloves. <laughs> and I was just it's like, oh, I guess I'm wearing pants today. Uh yeah, wild experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's how it is. You you acclimate so quickly. And I, that's how I am. Like it's it's funny. I used to like part of my shtick was is that I was the East Coast boy on the West Coast a lot of the time. And now I'm in this weird inflection point in my life where Mm. I've lived almost exactly as many years on one side of the Mississippi as the other. Mm -hmm. And like, and like this year makes technically more years on the West coast. Right on. So it's very, it's very strange. It's, it's, it's a weird place to be. Hmm. Well, I'm hoping there's a conference coming up in San Diego that I'm hoping to go to in November. I love, I've been to San Diego once and I love it. Are you going to AAR? Yeah, that would be the idea. Yep. Yeah, I submitted a paper. We'll see if they take. Oh it. hell we'll yeah! They, right on. Yeah, yeah, they never do. They shoot me down. If anyone from AAR is listening, <laughs> my name is Lenny Duggan. What did I do to you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I know I said something. You probably heard something on a podcast. You might have read something. I know my blog is incredibly offensive. Just tell me what I did so we can discuss it. You don't have to keep shooting every paper down. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's solid. Um, well, let's... So I have been... I'm trying to think when I first encountered your work. 
So I've, I've been following you and your stuff for, um, I want to say a few years now. And um, I was excited to see that you had a new book coming out, uh, Psalms of My People, a story of black liberation as told through hip hop, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed, by the way. I uh, did kind of like a double take. I read it and I also listened to the um, audiobook version. Yo, cool. that that audiobook, right? Like that came yeah. out real <laughs> quick and on time. Usually audiobooks are mad delayed. Right, and, cause you know, cause you have to audition for you have to audition for your own audio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I wrote this go, shit. Can I say? Nah, hell no. <laughs> They're like, send us an audition tape. We know some bland ass sounding writers, and so <laughs> you know, like every time you don't even know if you're gonna. You're like, you're like, am I gonna get an audio book? Am I gonna be the one reading it? And you don't. You have no idea. And so if you. If you read, uh, if you listen to the the Dear Church audiobook, yo, I don't know who they got. They got... <laughs> Shout out to the voice actor. I love him, dude. But the dude's baritone is very, like, King-esque. Mm. It's very, like, it, the baritone's very, like, you know, just very much like, you know, like, I, I'm trying to think of even one of the lines. I, I, I had the book, but, like, like, uh, you know, the problem isn't sociological, it's theological. It's like very, it's like mad, it's like mad, like thing as baritone. And the dude's got an incredible voice. But if you ever heard my voice or heard me talk about anything, you know, I don't talk like that. Right. <laughs> right. And so it's, it, it's just funny as hell. But uh, yeah, man, um, that audio book was something else, man. I was, was very excited. We got it all done the week before launch. Hmm. And got all the edits, like maybe done two days before launch, and then got it out there that quick. And so shout out to Recorded Books. I mean, they really did a bang up job. And I was traveling at the time and they plugged me in with like great studios all across the country, like everywhere I was. And I did do pickups. They're like, oh, you're in what town? And like two days they get back to me and be like, boom, yeah. And so it was a, I felt like it was one of the better experiences I had for a book that like I really took a leap out there that like I don't know if reading it and hearing it are the same experience right mm -hmm. with any kind of poetry you know mm -hmm. absolutely so. yeah I um I, the reason that I wanted to listen to it and when I was excited to see that there what like the audiobook is already out is because I do think it is a different experience um because when I'm just kind of reading the words on a page I'm still I'm still bringing I feel like I'm bringing more of myself. You know what I mean? Um, I'm still, I'm reading it in my voice and like these kind of things. And so when I listen to it, I feel like I get more of you and less of me because now I get to hear it in your voice uh, with your inflections and the words that you emphasize. And so more of like the heart and the spirit behind it uh, really comes through. And so that's, I always like listening to the audiobook as well. If I can, if I can find one. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, this was a huge leap out there for me, man. Like, you know, like, you know, my, my, my first work was around like black liberation theology within the mainline church context and like pushing up against some of the paradigms around that. And, 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 and then my second book's like this memoir that's like, it like broke me, right? Where like, hmm. it's, it's really funny, like in the process of telling people who you are, you discover who you are now. Mm-hmm right and 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 you know and, and that's right when the uprisings happen and then the lockdowns um 
And, uh, and I got really involved in some of that work. And so this was like a leap out there. I was like, I just want to do something that's pure art. I just want something mm. that just feels like written for artists, about artists, about what it means to be an artist in these times. Um, and, and, and to want to still tell sacred stories um, in a time when like, you know, like, like, like sacred storytelling is like needed, but like, we don't feel like we have the materials for it, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't, you know what I mean? Like we don't feel like we have the stuff of the prophets, the stuff of uh, our ancestors, the stuff of great sagas. But, you know, I'm a writer looking around the country today. Oh, we got the elements for one hell of a story. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 there are epic villains and unsung heroes and, and and great kind of things to to draw out and and i i was hoping that that like making the case of the hip-hop artist as one person um in 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 the last 50 years who can kind of tell the story of how we ended up here mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know um if you're like you know and like you know, if, if if you're like, you know, how 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 did 2020 happen? I mean, look at NWA, fuck the police, and you'll know exactly how 2020 happened. The same way you know exactly how Trayvon Martin happened. And we're recording on Tuesday, February 6th, but yesterday Trayvon Martin would have been 29 years old, mm. right? And so, you know, you 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 think about those things, right? Or like either yesterday or the day before, like you know, this, like this week, uh, Trayvon would have been twenty nine years old. I believe it was yesterday. But you know, like you, 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 you look at what's happening out there, and you're like, you know, well, well, how do we get to this place? Well, I, I think the hip hop artist in particular has been reporting on the events that led up to this. You know. And has been offering these sort of like real time reports that that many people just didn't want to listen to for for mm. for a lot of reasons, right? Like like often the truth is offensive. Often it comes from quarters in society we don't want to hear from. Um, and 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 hip hop is also like its own worst enemy. Mm. <laughs> like hip hop mm-hmm. has its own issues, right? Like any other art, the art itself is what defeats the artist. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love how you kind of you, you started the book out in a very compelling way to me, where you, um, you bring in the voice of James Baldwin, and kind of riff on this idea that like the poets are the ones who actually know what's up. <laughs> and like, yeah. everybody else doesn't really know what's going on. The poets are the one uh, that are kind of like, you know, telling the truth, basically. And um it kind of made me laugh as I was on my way home uh, from work today, listening to the audio audio book and hearing Baldwin referenced, you know, co- you know, multiple times throughout. Um, and by the time I got to the end, I was like, man, it seems like Lenny is calling for, you know, sending the poets. And like a lot of what's happening in society right now is more like Frank Sinatra sending the clowns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah wow yeah i mean yeah i mean 
the funny thing about James Baldwin and as at least to me as a young black queer like kid, people would present James to me and be like, "Have you heard of James Baldwin?" You know, and I didn't know how to be like, "Yeah, I've heard of James Baldwin, twenty-one year old counselor at my school." And thanks for you know pointing out to my friend who's with me I might be gay, but like, <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've heard of James, you know, and 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 so I had this really interesting relationship with James where I. I I would read James's work and I would resent James and I would mm. resent I would resent his place in history I would resent the way people talked about James I would resent not James himself but just the story of of what is it like to stand by and be the one who records what happens rather than be part of what's happening mm. And this sort of like observer effect that James eventually gets where he starts to observe America in this very particular way. And he observes it so sh- sharply, he starts to change America, right? While, while, while many other people he was friends with that he knew were taking very different paths, like the Shabazz family and his relationship with Betty and, and Malcolm and his relationship with the King family and his relationship with uh, different actors of the time, um, not you know, not 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 the least of which are 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 are, are Sidney Portier, who's getting ready to do this role where he kisses a white woman for the first time ever on screen, and 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 everyone in Hollywood is waiting for him to do it because he's been named America's sexiest man. This black man now is America. You know, it's 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 all this stuff. That, that that James is sort of like real privy to, friends with Edgar Mevers before he's murdered, you know, investigating for the NAACP. Um, just really like in the mix, but never like, you never hear like, and then James handcuffed himself to the bank or James, you know, was bitten by dogs or, and it wasn't because he was afraid. I, 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 I think people today don't understand the courage it took just to be a queer black man in the 60s Hmm. who was known you could be queer you could be black you couldn't be queer black and known Hmm. and so james you know james james had a lion's share of courage i i i I do not doubt that but as a kid what, what what upset me was as someone as the person who i related to the most from those times that did that mean that my job was just to write, to watch, to never be one of the ones doing the stuff? And would that mean I would outlive people? Would that mean that like people, you know, because now James has this sort of renaissance in American literature, but there was a, there was a time when I was a kid where in many ways James was put on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And people weren't sure what his legacy was. Right, because America wasn't sure about its gay kids yet. Hmm. Hmm. Right, hmm. and so all these things, you know, um, made me think about the poet's position and what what is it like, you know, what what is it like to know? Not that everyone, I don't think James in any way could have known how many people would read his stuff eventually. Um, and I don't think he could have known his impact on the world. I don't think any artist 
I think some artists hope, some openly, and that's gross, hmm. right? You know, and 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 sometimes you have impacts that you can't feel, that you never know. I, I think in, in many ways, James went the road of many of our best writers ever in humanity, where his impact was well was really felt in the world well after he was dead. Mm-hmm. And that that was sad to me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Now, as I get older, um, I'm much more fascinated with who James was in those spaces. So. This is from a great talk he gives about the struggle of the artist. Um, there's another great speech I commend to you where he he uh, he debates the guy from Frontline, which was the conservative <laughs> magazine at the time, William H. Buckley, and he and he 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 he, he debates him at in Oxford, and the Oxford Debate Society. It's the first time the Oxford Debate Society gave anyone a standing ovation. Um. And then, you know, when you see him on the Dick Cavett show or in other places, the way he carried himself, Malcolm was very controlled, powerful. You know, he lets you know that Black people were tired and they were coming for what was theirs one way or another. Uh, Reverend King was very much in the tradition of the Black church and providing community and safety and that overwhelmingly known social connection place. And then you see James smoking a cigarette with his legs <laughs> crossed. And people ask him a question, he rolls his eyes before he answers. <laughs> and there's this feeling that that, right? If you could say what was punk rock or what are the early stages of black punk rock, right? Like, what does that look like, right? Uh, what does early black queer resistance look It look, looks just like that. At least in our modern sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, that talk where he says, and in specifically what he says, as someone who had just quit as a pastor of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, where I wrote them a very pointed, uh, (laughs) a very pointed resignation. Yeah, farewell. Yeah, and, 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 you know, like, and like, you know, the idea is like, like, you know, like I didn't sign any NDAs. I didn't do anything wrong, nor did I lose my ordination status. I left because I felt it was a corrupt organization. Sure. But, you know, like James talks about it here, and it's not because anything in the organ people in the organization are doing. But like he says, you know, he says what we might get at this evening if we're lucky is what the importance of this effort is. However arrogant this may sound, I want to suggest two propositions. The first one is that the poets, by which I mean all artists, are finally the only people who know the truth about us. Soldiers don't, statesmen don't, priests don't, union leaders don't, only poets. That's my first proposition. We know about the Oedipus complex, not because of Freud, but because of a poet who lived in Greece thousands of years ago. And what he said then, about what it's like to be alive is still true in spite of the fact that we can get to Greece in something like five hours, then I don't know if it would have taken how long a time. Hmm. And so you think about that idea, right? That, that, that what we know of, you know, he goes on to say what, like everything we know about what, what it means to get to this planet and get to be human and try to survive this thing about life. We know from poets. Hmm. We know from the artists. Yeah, absolutely. And it, 
it ties in it ties in then nicely too to the kind of idea at you know poets or artists as prophets which is kind of what you point out with the nwa track fuck the police um which <laughs> i actually i saw uh is a little i think it's a little bit dated now it maybe came out like two years ago but there's a stand-up comedian named neil brennan um who's pretty funny and he has this bit where he's like what did you guys think fuck the police was about <laughs> like oh yeah people were telling the truth and Y'all are acting surprised now. Um, and so I think that connection with the kind of prophetic tradition seen in and in NWA as like kind of tied nicely to the the idea that you know poets are the ones uh telling truth, a la Baldwin. Um I liked how you you held those two together uh in a way that yeah encouraged me. Yeah, I'm I mean that's that's what i mean the truth is is that like what we call the psalms are hebrew poetry mm-hmm. and 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 it's poetry that is sacred to some people in this world and i i make the contention that there's other poetry and that we need psalms today we need uh poems and prophecy and 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 poetry and psalms about what's happening to us today who who will tell the story of those we lost during the uprisings, many of us, mm. and shout out to my comrades all across the country um, who put their lives on the line for the cause of black liberation at that time, did not sit at home, did not preach safely from their pulpits, mm. right? And and every time I bring up who did what during 2020, I hope, I hope, I, my fervent prayer in front of my creator is that if you're one of those people who didn't do anything, I hope you cringe when you hear my voice when I bring it up. I hope it makes you flip inside. If you, cl- if you claim to be a faith leader, a community leader, an activist, mm. if you ever muttered the words Black Lives Matter and you did all but nothing during those two years that people actively fought the state, and by the way, may have saved democracy by keeping an out of control executive branch from thinking they could just roll over the whole country. You're welcome, champ. Mm. You know, but but this is what I mean. Who will make songs for these people who died? These mm. comrades we lost. Who 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 will who will sing their songs? Mm-hmm. Right. Because no, because because. And so that's I think hip hop does a lot of that for us. I also think that hip hop, again, you know, I think one of the things I wrestle with in the book is that like, yeah, this is the playlist that little Lenny would have picked. And, you know, I talk <laughs> about that in the afterward. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of these artists are problematic as fuck. Right. Like, uh, you know, I do. A, I talk about Kanye. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them. And. And, you know, how do we take, you know, how do we, how do you wrestle with the Kanye you meet in, uh, in, um, in, in late registration, right? Or the Kanye you meet um, uh, in graduation, even, right? Like, 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 like with the Kanye you know now, how do you, how do you deal with the fact that this dude had people say, say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth at two in the morning in the club? Hmm. right screaming it 
right? Screaming it, right? Being proud to be like, like young black church folk having a time out, right? Mm. That whole vibe, right? To be the dude who wore a White Lives Matter shirt. How how does that happen? Mm. And 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 you know, I contend that it's the white gays in this country that that and and you know, I I, I talk about it very clearly and I try to, you know, take the risk that the truth is, is that you know, it feels like as an artist, sometimes the whole world's looking at you, but what you realize is just white people looking at you. Mm. It's just the people with the money looking at you. It's just the people mm. with the, you know, who could publish your book, uh, make your first single, uh, 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 hire you for a creative project, uh, take your first script, you know, whatever, right? Those are the people who finally saw you. Our people or Black people always see us, right? Like my people always see me. We are... Like my grandmother always knew I was a poet and a writer and a scholar. She always knew I was capable of like going to school for a PhD. So did my mother. So, so did my father. So did my cousins. They knew I was capable of that. But why do I have those credentials now? Why do I have those things now? Because I presented myself to white institutions, organizations, and corporations. Mm. And now all of a sudden I am those things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's just a really interesting thing that happens where, where, where we watched, I think I say, I think one line I say, uh, Kanye fell from the pearly gates and we taped it. White men do this in, white men do this every day in silence. In silence, yeah. In silence. That line <laughs> hit hard in the car, bro. That line hit hard in the fucking car. I'm like, man, you know, like this Uh, dude, like, yeah, he fucked up. Yeah, everything he did is bad. It's so awful. It feels like shit. Why are we world starring this shit then? Mm -hmm. And why do other people do it in silence constantly? And it can't be just that my man sold a few million records. Mm -hmm. It can't be just that, right? And if it is just that, you know, I, you know, at the end, I contend that it's death by medium. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the the medium is the massage kind of thing. That's what came to yeah. mind when you were when you were doing that bit in the in the book, and you you continue playing with that because you you tie in another song, uh, "Made in America," and do this bit where, um, like when we're made in America, we are like the fruit now of that system, and yeah. uh, I loved you know if we're made in America, it's America that makes us, and like we become that that thing um and i thought that was a a clever play and the um you had you had a line in there too where you say something along the lines of like what else would evangelicalism produce than trump like what other fruit is it capable of producing (laughs) and that that made in america america makes us the whole idea of like the white gaze shaping us or capitalism is another way you name it um is yeah, kind of yeah, throughout as a constant theme. Yeah, no, because like, because like that chapter, like you know, like Made in America is like that's like the if you know that song, that's like the golden age of hip hop. That's like <laughs> they're all like people are like, damn, how come we don't have big hip hop stars now? Uh, hip hop isn't the same. No, record sales aren't the same. Streaming mm. messed everything up, and really, the big stars we have hit it real big before streaming got. You know, the only mega stars that we have that have continued to grow through streaming are Beyonce and 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 she who shall not be named. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
don't want any Swifties coming after me. I know anyone who says anything even remotely bad about a billionaire who totally has got to be an ethical billionaire and is the one ethical billionaire in the world. Because <laughs> the other one died. You know, they did a big story on him in San Francisco. The guy who was a billionaire, gave away all his money, lived in this little house on Mission Hill his whole life. Most people didn't know who he was and just kind of putzed around the neighborhood and gave money away. So, I mean, these sort of things happen, right? So we found our second ethical billionaire. It's definitely Taylor. Because trust me, anytime I bring up the fact, do you think it's suspicious she's a billionaire? Swifties are quick to inform me. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with her. Of course, <laughs> she, unlike Jay-Z, Kanye, Beyonce, or anyone else, has somehow overcome the American entertainment industrial complex and has not been besmirched in any way. But we thank God for that. But yeah, man. <laughs> the chosen like, one. <laughs> the chosen one. I mean, just, wow. Okay. <laughs> Listen. I'm not going to lie to you. You only have to give me a billion before I'll probably do something real fucked up. I mean, probably <laughs> 10 million. I'm just going to be real with you. 10 million. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to buy something that's problematic at least. Right? Like, I just yeah. am. I, I was raised poor my whole life. I'm going to buy the most problematic pair of sneakers I can. Like, <laughs> just dumb. Why would you spend that much money? Yo, you could have, you, you could have. You could have you could have housed someone. Yeah, I'll house someone. I'm already housing people with some of my money, but I'm also wearing a house in these kicks right now. Yeah. Like <laughs> because that's what capitalism breeds. Yeah. It's a disease. Mm -hmm. And to believe that any of us, any of us would survive that experience, right? And that's part of the American scam. I mean American dream. I mean American scam <laughs> is that is that you you believe that not only are you gonna be the one and a couple billion or a couple like the one I, I, we have like what a hundred billionaires so you'll be one of a hundred out of 350 million people gets close to a billion okay cool that's gonna happen for you right on and then i'm supposed to believe it won't change me at all even though evidence says every single person with that much power seems to be corrupted Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's the question I bring up about Jay-Z. See, mm -hmm. the Swifties still think I'm talking about her. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> but that's the question, like, that's the question I bring up about Jay-Z, because that, that was the dude that I stand when I was a kid. When I was a kid, there was no harder story than a dude who took his money that he made from Hustle and Rock in Marcy Projects and flipped it into a millionaire, right, mm -hmm. with music, right, with music. No bullets, no death. Right, music. That was that was the holy gospel to me as a kid. But as an adult, I don't think billionaires should exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like real shook up about it. I don't know what to do with this information, right? And I try to wrestle with that in this story. I mean, in this, you know, the poem I call Manufactured in America, but mm -hmm. a play on made in America. Because, you know, and, and if you don't know, there might not be like super hard hip hop stuff. Fans. So let me read the 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 the, the lyric I riff, I riff off of is Sweet King Martin, Sweet Queen Coretta, Sweet Brother Malcolm, Sweet Queen Betty, Sweet Mother Mary, Sweet Father Joseph, Sweet Jesus, we made it in America. 
And so, yeah. like, it is this, you know, and Frank Ocean, Frank Ocean, this is before, like, people really, like, you know, Frank Ocean just kills it, right? Queer hero. Frank Ocean destroys it <laughs> in this song. And, and you know, it's really like 2011. It's off the Magna Carta album. You know, and if you know what the Magna Carta is in history, you know what a big shit talking title that is for an album. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, like, it's this really unique point in hip hop history where it really feels like the golden age. But, but I do ask some questions because, like one, one, I, like, one thing I say is in America, the fact that I was allowed to fly high enough to hit the ceiling is proof to half the country that the ceiling does not exist. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's like because, like, you know, and I talk about that because you can fly high enough to see the bars of your cage. All of a sudden there ain't no cage. And then uh, on 167, I'm like, yo, the trap in America is that you make it. The trap is that you fucking make it. You're in the trap now. The trap is the hustle. The trap is you can make it, that you do make it, that you do get an agent, that you do get invited out to speak, teach, share ciphers and knowledge, wisdom and understanding. And that's because white America's heard it all before. Hmm. So you think you're something new? I thought, I thought, you thought, motherfucker. Right? Like, you know, that's the, white America doesn't care what you bring. They heard it before. <laughs> they, and, and, and they've heard it better. They're like, how can we commodify you? Mm-hmm. First thing the church sees when they see a radical preacher, how can we commodify him? How can we commodify him? How can we commodify him? That's it. How can yeah. we take what this person's doing in the community, make a cute video out of it so we can get more mission dollars, even though we know this church probably won't be here in three years. I mean, whoop, sorry. Hmm. Sorry to spoil the secret for you kids <laughs> out there in seminary. Right? Right? Cause, cause, because, because, because that's what we do in America. And so, and so we have to, there's something wrong with the, the James says the entire structure weighs too heavy upon us to bear. It weighs too heavy upon us to bear. And and yeah, it, it beats the artists up. You know? Mm. Now mm. you got kids who think they can be a billionaire. How? How are you going to be a billionaire? Because Jay-Z was a billionaire? Okay. Yeah. Okie dokie. <laughs> yeah, we continue to to like buy into this like myth of meritocracy and uh you know, another way it's been named is like the myth of the sacred object. Like once we get this thing, then we'll have made it, then we'll be great. And uh, the whole bit is like that thing doesn't exist. Um, It's, you know, it's not there. It's just that it's a myth. And I think that is the particular, like when you're talking about the commodification bit, that's the part I think the church really screws up in is when they start commodifying something like salvation or liberation and sell it as the myth, right? As the myth of yep. the sacred object. Once you get this thing, then you're good. And that's just wild to me. <laughs> People I mean, know how the game is played. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 what bears on me really hard is that this is a time of great need for mystery and mm-hmm. sacred and 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 and. Uh, and, and like you know, uh, sacred mystery and 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 weird. We need weird. There's not <laughs> enough weird out there. Everything's very 
everyone knows what everything is. Well, that's a fascist. That's a progressive. That's, you know, that's a good church. That's a bad church. That's a, that's a, you know, that's a Democrat, liberal. That's a good guy. That's a bad guy. You know, that's a baby eater. That's not a baby eater. Like, you know, everyone seems to know what everything (laughs) is. Everyone seems to know everything. But like, where's, there's no room for mystery. There's no room for the wild. There's no room for the strange. Most of what I read in anyone's scripture, let alone Christian scripture, it can only be defined as strange, wild, and weird. I mean, even for the times, people must have been like, what the, what is this dude on? Right? <laughs> like, what? And why are all these people following this? You know, like, there had to be, like, this sense, like, something different, um, but not completely out of context, right? I mean, I think we forget that Jesus was probably in the marketplace with, like, nine other people preaching nine other gods at that time, you know, and they were all competing, all doing mysteries and <laughs> different things, and that's why the people always came up to him, like, do a miracle here. Show us one of your tricks. <laughs> Show us what you do, right? <laughs> because they were used to people coming to town and being like, I know the real God. The real God's name is such and such. And, yeah, follow him. If you don't follow anyway, there's some weird shit, you know? <laughs> and people are like, oh, what was that? Yo, you know? And so this is this is a, a part of the showmanship of the time, right? I, I think we lose that. I, I, somehow we think that, like, Jesus was just walking around quietly. He was, like, whispering shit to people. He was like, I don't know if this Roman Empire is any good, guys. Like, you know, that, <laughs> you know. Then he was like, you know, he politely, I don't know if Jesus politely petitioned his Roman senator, you know. Um, I, I think there was a moment where he met the local Roman governor, but, you know, that didn't go well for him. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I just don't get, like, where we lose, like, some of the mystery uh, uh, and, and some of the power of, of liberation. I mean, even if we just look at some of the stories of just 100 years back, uh-huh. hmm. you know, it's Black History Month, right? I mean, I mean, you know, there, there, are, there are stories of wonder um, when it comes to the causes of abolition and liberation that, that need to be told. And so, you know, I'm hoping, like, this book is, like, a first foray into, like, all right, hip hop gets out one way, um, and maybe I'll use hip hop again for like volume two, um, and 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 hopefully expand upon those stories. I want people to really like write their own sacred scripture. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. I want you know I want people to 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 like I'm not interested in like in like I'm interested in the graffiti in Rome. Like I'm interested in like the shit written on walls. Like I'm interested in the shit, you know, hmm. <laughs> that people write in bathrooms when they mad at their teacher. Yeah. Like I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm interested yeah. in that, uh, and I, and I, as a reflection of who we are today. Hmm. Yeah, I the um the invitation to the weird <laughs> or the different, uh. I really like because I think part of why maybe we've lost that is because like with this kind of like rationalistic enlightenment thinking where we've put everything in boxes like you were saying and like, oh, well, we know what this is and we know what that is and we know what that is. Um, I think that has like is a part of it. Right. And then when we have 
uh, a certain group of Christians talking about how like, oh, the Bible is simply and simple and easy to read. It's very clear. It's very straightforward. Uh, you don't have to worry about reading it because like, like I said, it's simple and clear. Here's what it says. I'm telling you. And then <laughs> that, kind, that kind of plays in. Um, when I think about getting outside of the box, um, I'm with you. I turn to someone like my brother who is um, an artist and uh, Jordan does really crazy shit that I don't understand, but I can't not look at it. <laughs> right. And um, I also think like, I don't, I don't want this to come off in a way that's pejorative because I don't mean it that way. But also when I think about getting outside of the boxes that um, like the white gaze or capitalism or whatever puts us in, um, I look to my, my queer friends, um, my, you know, my queer siblings, uh, someone like who I was just <laughs> hanging out with the other day, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Garcia. Kevin recently started performing uh, in drag and oh, yeah, dye, yeah, yeah. That's dye right. their beard right. purple. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. Just, I saw some advertisements for that. Yeah. yeah. And just fucking be themselves, which is like seriously in a way that's that I don't want it to sound like bad like i mean it it's inspiring it's exciting because as a I get a... person to listen to you talk effusively about drag please you can do it all day <laughs> please continue all right. please continue I just, <laughs> I just think it's rad because like with all the kind of commodification that you're talking about and the white gaze and this is how you do things and blah 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 to see people who are willing to step out of what society says this is who you're supposed to be and be like no no this is who i am um that excites me like a stupid here's a stupid example for you um you can maybe see that my nails are painted black right now right ever since like high school i thought that would be a really cool thing to do but i never did it because i was afraid what that might say about me to other people right and like i'm uh straight white dude as far as i can tell but um recently at uh this thing called theology beer camp um kevin was there but uh flamey grant performed on stage with Derek webb yeah um, flamey grant to see someone like Derek, like go to the what dub awards or whatever wearing a dress in solidarity with his friend flamey grant was like, oh, dude, Josh, you can paint your fucking nails black, uh, and maybe in some way, it's a form of solidarity, um, with my queer brothers in the sense that both of my brothers are queer, and also my queer brothers and sisters and people and you know siblings in general. So it's like inspiring to me to get outside of that box, and I think that's part of why people don't like queer folks is because they're too fucking inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah sorry I mean, end of my yeah. end of my rant i apologize for no no on no, there. <laughs> abs no absolutely i mean and 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 like you know you can see that in like a lot of kevin's work lately right kevin has been uh you know touching into like all different forms of spirituality um you know a lot of uh, my work now at the graduate theological union i'm teaching a course uh, it's my first time teaching like a master's level or above course and i'm teaching a people's history of magic right and cool. <laughs> even in the right and even in the yeah. book like I, I i talk about um enoch in the book of enoch and penemu and uh penemu is the fourth angel 
that um, is in that book, if you know about the Book of Enoch, it's the fourth angel. And that's the one that teaches us about adornment, um, uh, uh, makeup, dance, and writing. Hmm. And that's and that's the gifts that that th- those are the broken gifts uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that 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 they bring and and I and I bring that up because you know I think that is some of the gifts that queer people bring right queer people bring this sort of sense of 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 adornment enchantment enticement entertainment movement beauty and and and. And, and living out those symbols in a certain way. I, you know, I always talk to a lot of queer siblings about like, you know, a thousand years ago, they would have known what to do with us. Some of my friends, they, they would have known that they're a queer oracle and they would live in a pool somewhere full of hot water and perfume and people would bring them gifts. And, hmm. and, 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 uh, and, and, and provide, you know, gifts to them. And, and frankincense and myrrh, like we're brought to baby Jesus and people would listen to their words. And listen to their writings and listen to their philosophies and try and carry them out in the world, right? A thousand years ago, people would know what to do with queer folks, like how people, how Philip knew exactly what to do with the Ethiopian eunuch, right? Baptize them and get the hell out of there before you fuck it up. I mean, that's really the story of Philip. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, Holy Spirit's like, get him out of there. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but, but, but yeah, man, like, like that's it though like we we have this um we have this this way about us and moving through art that i say queer uh voice um uh in particular right now is of course under attack um as a trans person you know i i think about the places the the people i'll never visit right like mm-hmm. i got a good friend in utah and like i have to call them this week and tell them like i can't ever come to utah mm-hmm. right um and like how florida is a no-go zone yeah and stuff like <laughs> that now and like but but that's why right uh fascist thought anywhere um has always attacked queer community for like one of the first targets is us mm-hmm. um and and I think that's right. I think I think queer people live their lives in a way that make other people realize that they're not having as much fun, pleasure, <laughs> right. or vibrancy as as other people. Right? You know, my partner all the time. I you know when we're out together, I tell her you know I'm like Sarah. Like we, you know, I'll whisper to her. I was like, remember, we're living in a way that people secretly suspect we're having more fun than them because we are <laughs> so remember whatever we're doing we have to give off we, we really have to send a straight person home with the sense that i think those two weirdos are having more fun than me you know? <laughs> you're right yes <laughs> absolutely are a hundred percent and um that's important in the world it's important for people to see possibility um yeah we we, we have a real we really struggle with imagination I think hmm. nowadays. Hmm. Yeah, and it, it too. I've I've come to kind of see it, um, especially uh, after having many conversations with um, a friend of mine, uh, Doctor Roberto Shea Espinosa, um, that just like the like expression of queerness is like an act of resistance um, to a system that tells you you have to be a certain kind of way. In the same way that hip hop 
is an expression of resistance uh telling people how you know how the system is um uh, but i am I, i'm kind of curious though for you and you've mentioned it a little bit um when we first started talking uh what's like there's like this intersectionality as like um a queer person as a queer black person plus with hip-hop and the kind of like uh homophobia that comes there and then also um i kind of want to parallel that with um at least in my experience, I've noticed that within like the black church, which tends to be more progressive socially um, still when it comes to like LGBTQ type um, like issues in scare, scare quotes uh, tend to be more conservative in that regard. And so there's like in these two different communities that you've, um, you know, kind of find yourself in, there's that like homophobia. Yeah, there's a lot. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a lot of tension and I talk about it a lot in the book, right? Um, I think it was important for me because like I wanted like when, when I wrote the original list, this is like the first list. And I wrote like all these different lists of songs that I was going to write poetry about. And like, you know, I end up like, you know, I end up like writing a poem about like uh, 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 fuck the police, uh, DNA, um uh, I think Thug Mansion, uh, One Mike by Nas, uh, Jesus Walks, uh, I take Lauren, Get Out, and a couple other tunes. You know, there's a few others. I'm going to leave some surprises in there, a couple other tunes. But like, but like, you know, like, I went through that initial list and I was like, you know, like, even like, I love Lauren, but Lauren says some things about queer people I like, right? And, and like, you know, but I love her. And, and, and what does that mean, right? Like, like, what does that mean? And, and 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 so I started to adjust the list. It was like, all right, well, I'm going to use these artists who are a little bit more like with it or with the times. And then I thought to myself, well, is that what a queer person can do in their first year of seminary? Well, no, often a lot of times queer people, trans people, when they're dealing with sacred literature, the literature is often harmful. To them. Uh, maybe not the literature itself, but interpretation. Um, and or or translation and translation is interpretation. Um, if you want, you know, we we know that the word homosexual does not show up until 1936 in English translations of the Bible, right? So we know, right, that 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 translation is interpretation. We know we 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 know that 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 there's been several historic schools of thought about interpreting scripture, particularly in America, let alone anywhere else in the world. Um, before that. And so, yeah, like I was like, all right, then I'm going to use the original list because often you have to deal with material that's harmful to you. And so what does it mean like that 12 year old Lenny thought this song went hard as hard as fuck, but like it, it, it it's, it's basically calling like four or five people faggots towards the middle, right? Like what's that, what's that about, bro? Like how are you, how are you supposed to sit with that, you know? And and so I tried to like wrestle with that and like call it out when I saw it and um, speak to it to the best of my ability um, and still realize that like this stuff still has value to me. This music still has value to me. Um, and who a lot of these artists have become doesn't change what they did in that and one of the things that I think we really struggle with today is separating artists from art um, because we have such a 
micro celebrity, social media, everyone knows everyone, everyone's up in everyone's shit. I'm gonna tell you right now, my social media, it, it's chaotic. It, it's chaotic as fuck. It's chaotic good for a reason. I don't want you in my life all the time. I don't want you to know when I'm at the club. Why are you trying to come kill me? Like, what is happening? Why do you need to know exactly where I am at all times? Who do you work for? Like, uh-uh, child, no. So I post stuff like two, three days later. Like, yeah. you know, I was here. You know what I mean? Or like, if I have an event coming, I won't even talk about the event like a day or two before. Because like, why? I don't get it. I, 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 I'm, I'm very confused by the whole thing. It might just be, it, my friends keep telling me it's my neurodiversity, but I'm just saying like, I don't get it. <laughs> And, and, and so, and so, yeah, I'm very diffuse on social media. I'm very, I'm very diffuse with the whole, like, if, if, if I often, I try, especially on interviews like this or anything, I try to be more myself than who you expect Mm -hmm. me to be by reading my work. I am the person you read in my work. I am the person you see in the pulpit. I am the person that you see March and I am the person that also got a divorce and probably fucked up their personal life because like they were too dedicated to the church. Right. I'm mm-hmm. also the person who like got into like a, a stupid fucking fight with their, with, 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 uh, with their presiding Bishop, by the way, where is Elizabeth Eaton? Has anyone seen her? MIA? <laughs> anyway, but, but, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, I am that person, right? I'm all uh-huh. of those things. And I think today we demand of artists that they separate themselves, that they bifurcate themselves and they present whatever we consider to be the holy version of themselves. I, I mean, do it, do it. Do I think people need to be called out when they abuse power and use their, 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 their access and, and show? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If I do some shit like that, please tear me the fuck down. That's great. <laughs> but I also, I also don't think, that the artist is their art mm-hmm. and this and 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 when we start mistaking the two um we 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 not only harm the artist fuck them i mean i'm an artist or any real artist knows they're just being used by some force bigger than them anyway mm-hmm. and it's not really them and it doesn't really matter right what happens to you i talk about that in the book mm-hmm. but but <laughs> But, but we do do something to the art. Um, I, I, you know, like I couldn't listen to fuck the police ever again if I held it to the standard of who Ice Cube is today. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't <laughs> change, the, right? And that doesn't change the fact that at the time that shit was life changing. Mm-hmm life-changing i never would have thought you could fought the police i was like damn you could fight the police well shit that opens all <laughs> worlds of possibilities yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you just had to take that shit yeah and so yeah. <laughs> and, right <laughs> and so like you know like i i don't know man you know um uh i don't have a solution for this problem but but i'm definitely mm. trying to deconstruct it a little bit or or trouble the waters or problematize it a bit in my work for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that, that nuance and like the, um, I don't know, like the kind of resisting the need to have total clarity and certainty and like being able to recognize 
how things um, have been impactful and, and, you know, how they shape us and these kind of things. Um, you know, it's like a similar, an experience that I had recently. It was like looking over my um, bookshelves in, in my office and I have all these overflowing bookshelves with all these books and uh, kind of going through it and looking like, Ooh, how is that book on my shelf? But then, yeah. you know, I'm kind of having some shame around that, but then recognizing like, wait a minute, I remember at the time, this was actually really helpful and transformative and, you know, meaningful to me. But now where I'm currently at, not so much. It still influenced me, but like, oh, I don't know. So trying to have like grace for that, if you want to use that word or like acceptance. Yes. Yeah. You know I mean? Mercy. Yeah. Mercy. mercy. For there who we you go. Were. <laughs> yeah. Mercy yeah. for who you were. Like this book is a lot about mercy for little Lenny. Little yeah. Lenny listened to like problematic as fuck hip hop, but yeah. it changed his life. <laughs> Yeah. And like, you know, like I, Lenny didn't know that about the problems of capitalism. Well, Lenny didn't know like, wow, capitalism might be a much deeper problem than I've ever considered. Yeah. I was broke. <laughs> Dude wasn't broke. That shit looked great. Yep. <laughs> I was right. hungry. Dude looked like he was eating. I want to get fed. Right. Uh-huh. And, 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 and yeah, like having some mercy for him and, 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 you know, cause that's before, they were, you know, like that's that, you know, like I, you know, I didn't even use like they as a pronoun, you know, until, you know, amongst friends, maybe 1994, I would express like, yeah. I don't feel like I have a gender. That's super weird. But <laughs> like, but like talking about it publicly, not until, you know, much, much later in, in life. Right. And, and having mercy mm-hmm. for all that. Right. All the male aggressive games that little Lenny played to fit in and hip hop culture played a part of that. Uh, so uh, my misogynoir towards black women, that is something that you, I constantly have to keep an eye on. Right. Because this stuff is like, and it wasn't hip hop culture that did that. It was capitalist culture when it was trying to sell hip hop music mm-hmm. and, and, and they're not the same thing. Right. Yeah. They're not yeah. the same thing. And knowing that, right. Like knowing that and like trying to like, and, and like trying to like untangle that stuff to be a better person in this world. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not easy, but, but, but it's funny how art just moves us in this way. Um, you know, like people, pastors love to tell the stories of like when they do visitations, and <laughs> they play music for like someone who has like, you know, Alzheimer's that they sing their favorite hymn, you know, that person wakes up. I hope, somebody goes it was all a dream when, yeah. when i'm like that and i go i just sit right up and i'm like i used to read grown up magazine like you know i hope i go right in right right and and and, <laughs> and the power music has um i think is is just great but like we i know that some of very i can't listen to a whole biggie album you mm-hmm. know because it talks about sexual assault because it talks about in very explicit ways because it talks about violence against sometimes our own people in ways that I don't even want to imagine because I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. I've, I've either seen it in prison or I've seen it on the street. And I don't need to imagine it in my music anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't find it attractive, right? Yeah. Um, most people most people who've experienced real violence don't find it attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, all these ideas, right? This idea, like, if I ever hit it big, why is the first thing I think about is getting a car? I don't even... What? Right. right. But like I, I know I'm gonna get some dumb shit. I know yeah. it'll be dumb. I know it'll be some shit that you'll be like, wow, that person talks all that stuff. Look what they're driving though. And i you know what I'll say? Yes, I am. 
right? <laughs> I've been drilled into me, right? Yeah. And like that doesn't doesn't make it a virtue, right? Doesn't right. make it right. right, but it it certainly makes it part of my character and and mm-hmm. and part of mm-hmm. all of our character in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I like to play with those ideas in this book. I think, um, you know, what 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 makes something sacred? What makes something profane? And 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 who and and not who are we to decide, but why don't we decide more to make things more sacred is my argument. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I think uh, for the for the record, um, I want to go into say I was a little bit proud of myself and felt a bit cultured because I knew more than just Juicy in the book. Yeah, and you said that, that was the song that all the white people would know. <laughs> Yo, that's the first one. You know, they were like, they were like, oh, I know this song, though. Yeah. I got this reference, right? <laughs> right, right. Juicy. Yeah, Yo. I was. I felt a little bit cultured that I had a little bit of a wider uh, grasp and repertoire than that. Um, but I guess <laughs> maybe as a as a way to kind of wrap up, um, I want to try to draw a parallel between two of the songs and and two of the chapters and and. Um, you know, because you called you it juicy. You, you know, you know, you know, because you called it juicy. There's still people don't know what song you're talking about, though, right? By Biggie. Because, yeah, yeah, because because they think the song's like Big Papa. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love it when you call yeah. it Big Papa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the name of the song. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, the um, yeah. So there's the bit that you mentioned. Um earlier uh one mic by nas um which was not as i had not listened to that song prior so that's one that i didn't know and one that i did know which was rosa parks by outcast and i just kind of wanted to end or like use this as a way to maybe wrap up because with the whole one mic bit um you're kind of asking this question of like what does it you know what does it take to start a revolution what do we need right and you you riff on on nas's uh song in that and then in um with the the outcast bit you had this this moment towards the end of that chapter uh that really kind of like set it like sold it for me i guess if that makes sense when you talk about like you know what go ahead and sit in the front of the bus because you're driving to your like stupid ass capitalistic job where you're treated as like garbage anyway we're going to have fun in the back. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think that's the way the revolution can, it's the way a revolution can begin. So I wanted right. to, I thought this might be a fun way to kind of, kind of wrap up our time together is yeah. What does it, what does it uh, take to, to start a re- revolution? <laughs> well, for one thing, like, you know, in that, in that outcast poem, I'm talking about like, you got to make it fun. Right. So the song's called Rosa Parks. And they talk about the back of the bus. They don't mention anything about civil rights in that song. You don't hear shit. There's no history. You're like, you don't know who Rosa Parks is. Just, oh, well. But anyway, (laughs) you don't get the reference, right? And, like, that's it. Like, how do we make who we are and what we are, right, like, the the thing to be? Hip-hop has Mm. been the number one ambassador of, of, of Black culture. Paul Gilroy in The Black Atlantic, which is a seminal book, um, written about the African diaspora and how do you how do you recognize these people who are spread out everywhere all across these continents and across the Atlantic and and music was the thing that he really grasped onto and and hip hop is really this ambassador for Black culture. Um, I can go anywhere in the country 
or I mean anywhere in the world. And people, if I tell them I'm from America and they realize I'm black or they they tell from (laughs) across the room, but they want to bring it up, right? Like hip hop is like the one thing we always land on. Like they'll always like Tupac, man. Like I know it. Like don't bring him up. Yeah. Like I know, it, right? You'll be like, yeah, Tupac. Uh huh. And y'all, like y'all know each other, right? <laughs> right. Like it's like wow. Like you know, you like I'm from Philly. They're like, oh, you you gotta know Quest Love. I mean, like I've been to small parties where he was at, but like I don't know this dude. I don't know I'm here. Like that's weird. But yeah. like. But like, but like that idea that that's 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 our calling card across the world. This idea that we have more fun, um, yeah. that we have the best parties, that we have the most uh, uh, beautiful people, uh, that we have these crazy times um, and these good times and this thriving culture in the midst of incredible oppression, which hip hop does not duck telling the story of. Mm-hmm. I I and 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 you know. And and so and and so I think part of it is like the revolution has to be fun. If the shit mm. don't look fun, why would anyone do it? Why? <laughs> like why? Like give me that. You know what I mean? Like that. You know, like you know, there's a difference between revolution and war, right? Because mm. revolution doesn't necessarily mean warfare. And 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 finally, like what I talk about in one mic is that we really need just like one good Tuesday. Really, like we need like one good. <laughs> We need like one solid Tuesday where like you've already done the work in your neighborhood where like like you've already been working and creating an HOA where you lower the rent by purchasing all the homes on the block for everybody on the block and that you all got together and figured out how much you could all spare from each one to offset the taxes. You've already started doing community defense stuff. You're already doing mutual aid to help houseless people within a four block radius get connected to housing you've already started the work of 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 teaching us stop the bleed you've already done the work of teaching street medic stuff you're already opening a free clinic you're you're doing that work um and so by the time tuesday comes or whenever the republic falls you might not even notice because you're you you and your folk have been doing that work rushing it right right and not depend upon these systems right like figuring out how do we not call our own armed concierge service every time we're spared i mean the police <laughs> how you, do you know what i mean like how do we address houselessness in our community in a way that actually seems like a solution without the mayor running on it for two years and then doing something awful like putting them in concentration camps in the middle of the city on hot pavement and just letting them die out because they had the nerve to have a beer that day the same thing you do in silence hmm. Hmm. um you know what i mean like like like, 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 if, if, if we don't come up with community-based, local, grassroots, mutual aid-focused solutions to this stuff now, then, yeah, I would be terrified if everything fell apart. But if we do that stuff, if we learn to love each other um, in these very compelling ways, um, these very real ways, um, and then we learn this baseline communism that all democracy is based off of, all democracy is based off the sovereign indigenous nations and these principles that were presented to the founding fathers. That's where they encountered them. And these ideas, these ideas are based off sort of a baseline communism and everyone should be able to eat and sleep somewhere and be clothed. Hmm. If we could sort of get these sort of basic ideas down um, in our communities, block by block, step by step, um, and build out then when the craziness happens, it won't matter as much to us and we'll be able to help more people. 
you know, the number one thing I hear people always talk about when they say they're scared of revolution, they're scared of change, is they're always scared of the amount of people who could be hurt. Mm. Well, that's why we start with care. Mm-hmm. That's why we start with care. That's why we start with mutual aid. That's why we start with that, building our own counter systems, right? Because we don't have to destroy this Babylon. It's going to fall. We know mm-hmm. the story. We've seen it rise and we've seen it fall. It's going to fall on its own. What we need to focus on is how do we protect one another? How do we care for one another? How do we build strong, vibrant communities? So when it does fall, we can offer the alternative. We can offer, hey, you know what? I don't like the a lot of stuff that was you know happening in the U.S. federal government, but here's some ideas of 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 of, of sovereignty and democracy as known by the Wendat people. Uh, as mm. proposed by Candia Rock, you know what I mean? In a, you know, American indigenous intellectual who, you know, went to France and several other places in this time uh, negotiating with colonists and came back. So this is a states person, right? You know, like who sort of introduced some of these early ideas, you know, some of the, you know, take some of the early sovereign nation ideas that were put that, that, that Franklin encountered, right? So, you know, I guess my point is, is no matter what happens, there's always a place for democracy. There's always a place for well-reasoned arguments carrying the way, and that really being the only way that you can get people to do what you want. You convince them to, and if they don't follow you, oh well. Hmm. Um, and we can get back to that, you know. And that, in and of itself, living like that, uh, loving like that, and teaching our our children and their children like that um, is really how that's how we win. We win because we have hmm. better community and we love each other better. Hmm. Hmm. Oh yeah, that'll fucking preach. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> oh man. Well, Lenny, this was um I had a great time. Hopefully you did as well. Absolutely. Um, I really enjoyed um your book, Psalms of My People. It kind of um gave me a, a similar experience I had. So one of my I uh, you know, I haven't talked too much about um some of my favorite hip hop artists, but my maybe fame, like favorite current hip hop artist is Kendrick Lamar. And I really like Kendrick a lot. Um, and I remember the first time when I actually sat down and listened to good kid, mad city all the way through and heard yeah. the story, heard the story that it tells and um, was just kind of like really taken aback. And realized, you know, kind of like what you talked about and what we've talked about before and and how I was commodifying these uh, stories in the artist. And so that experience with Kendrick's album kind of like put me on to say like, okay, where am I doing this otherwise? And tried to see if I could, um, you know, actually hear the stories that are being told. And so I think your book does the same thing. Um, It amplifies the, the voices and the stories and invites invites me into it. Um, into experiences that I don't have as like a white dude who grew up in a middle-class family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, right. And, uh, you know. Who's also the target audience for hip hop. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, how do you explain that? Like, it's so weird, bro. Anyway. It is weird. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so this was great. Um, thank you so much for hanging out. Where would you like, you know, if we're going to give into the, the capitalistic system, where would you like 
me to point people oh, to yeah. so they can find you. <laughs> yeah, well, you can go to LennyDuncan.com. I'm at, at Lenny A. Duncan on everything. I just, I lock that shit down. As soon as they open a new platform, I'm there. I, I might not be active, but I, I own that account. That's me. <laughs> right on. And, and uh, you know, uh, you can pick up a copy of some of my people um, at any uh, local bookstore. Uh, shout out to Class Bookstore in Houston. Shout out to La Buela Books here in uh, San Diego. Um, I got a little something coming up in New Mexico. I think uh, I'll be able to announce soon a, a, a reading. And, you know, uh, you can always go to Broadleaf Books to figure out where you're going to get it. Uh, bookshop.org right now is running a, a special on it. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, buy the book, man. Buy the, you know, check it out. You know, uh, I don't make a mint off it at all, but, but, but I do love... Um, I do love some of the impact I, I, I can have at times uh, in conversations like this. So please pick up the book. Uh, I'd love to, to, to chat with you a little bit more about some of it. Um, you know, and, 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 and that's really about it. That's all I could talk about right now. So, yeah. <laughs> Word. <laughs> well, thank you again for, for writing. Thank you for inviting me into your story and for sharing, you know, sharing some time with me and hopefully uh our paths cross in person sometime it'll be a lot of fun yeah oh yeah i appreciate it man sweet all right lenny take care and listeners as always go in peace friends